0: And you're listening to For the Oh. Oh Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design.
1: Joining Roger from Wow Dogs and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft.
2: And welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger, coming to you on Monday, the 28th of June, and this is our 41st episode, which should be far more sober, which will be, you know, gain some of that respect back, or did we ever have any respect from the audience? That's the question. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> so we <we've Wait>, got... <laughs> We did a show last week? <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've got Joe and Vince back for more. Um, have you
1: guys been picking up a lot off of these goddamn Steam sales? oh no i have been trying so hard not to spend money i've I've bought like maybe five dollars worth of stuff and i'm just leaving it at that for now i have way too many games <laughs> well,
3: between war for cybertron and puzzle quest 2 and dragon quest 9 and buying a new laptop i'm like no, fuck you steam stay, stay away
2: <laughs> yeah see i don't have the, the willpower to actually not because it starts up with the system and uh and so it starts up and then it's like hey look here's some cool deals and then when i tell numnuts over there that oh look bioshock 2 is only 15 i keep getting buy it buy it now buy it now <laughs> messages <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> so and i didn't actually have uh bioshock 2 so again 15 bucks it's kind of hard to say no but then there's all the other ones that keep coming up that you think well like half-life 2 or sorry half-life for two bucks and i'm thinking i came like close to picking it up and then remembered you know what we still have the original ps2 game and i've got one of the legacy ps3s that actually is fully backwards compatible so i said screw that shit and i dug in the basement for it and i found it and actually my son's been playing it now um and having fun but yeah like a lot of these titles when they're only a couple of bucks it's like it's kind of hard to to say no i case in point eve i picked up eve for two bucks and I played I, Frank, I, and see, this is the killer right here. This is when you know you're you've got no willpower and you are just a sad and pitiful gamer. When I've tried the trial for this goddamn game twice and couldn't get into it. Sale for two bucks? I'll buy it. Why not? Yeah. What? How? How is that logic? Where's the logic in that?
1: <laughs> you're Canadian. You don't have to have logic. Yeah. yeah. The logic is in the bottom
2: of your wine glass. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet.
0: Hopefully <laughs> okay. one day.
2: Uh, but yeah, no. So I picked it up. I figure, again, a couple of bucks, and you get that first month free anyways. I like, I, I really do want to give it a shot, but each time I'm trying, it's like, well, granted, the last time I tried, I went into a star system, and it said, you shouldn't be here. Go here, 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 or here. So I picked the first tier, and I went, okay, click. And it sent me jumping through like a couple of dozen stargates. Literally. Mm -hmm. It was doing it for like 20 minutes. So it was a really pretty screensaver is what it was. And it's at that point that I lost (laughs) interest in it. So I'm going to have to figure out how not to be doing none of that shit so that I can enjoy the game more. And then so you're going to actually have to log in at the same time as me every once in a while too and show me what the fuck to do because
1: I got no clue. That's not a problem. Me and the, me and my boys will uh, will show you the ropes. Uh, the trick is to find one uh, one sire system to quest in and kind of hang around there. It takes a while to get to the first part, so yeah, it's just it's. Re- I like it. I really enjoy it, and it's it's a lot of fun once you get to that get to that place and figure out what's going on. So I'll hook you up. Don't worry. So a lot of these games that I'm picking up, I know, are just going to be on the back
2: burner for a little while until I need something to kind of rip through um again i put my um my wow on hold for now so of course now i've got a lot more time to play different games i finished off um my second playthrough on dragon age awaken or origins um which was awesome and like i was saying last episode like completely different things happening which was really really cool um so I, i i really enjoyed it and then the ending was completely different as well which um I don't know if it was more it was more epic than the other one but it it was cool and it was nice to have that that if you survive at the end then you can actually go and talk to your team which was kind of cool. Yes. So I enjoyed that. I didn't get that in the first one. So it it, it it was really quite interesting. But then it like really cuts you off like it gives you the impression that there's going to be you can hang out with Liliana if you want or whatever or that you know Sven is, or what's his name is going to come and hang out with you. And then it's like boom no you're done credits <laughs> so I was like oh okay i guess we're done and uh and then i started awakenings which so far it was pretty
1: goddamn cool it was pretty freaking cool i love awakenings i'm actually through my uh, going through my second playthrough on it um and i love it I, there's a few bugs here and there uh they just released a patch not too long ago to fix most of them uh but it's so much fun and uh, if you if your warden lived at the end of the first game, it makes it so much more fun uh, when you go into Awakening, in my opinion. So I, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah, I brought my guy
2: in and he's higher level, too. So he's ripping through the, the initial guys fairly easily. Um, it was nice to see that they put even more talents that you can choose from kind of thing and and uh, going into making ruins kind of things and, and things like that so they they kind of broaden the experience even more so I really enjoyed that and as much as I really wasn't keen on Ogryn it's funny that when he shows up
1: you're like, "Oh, Ogren. <laughs> it's cool. That that that, that kind of confused me too cuz he was like one of the ones that nobody liked. Nobody liked Ogren. That like you go through like the the forums, nobody picked him. He was just the, nobody wanted to play with him, stuff like that. And he's the one that they picked to be the recurring character that you can play with opposed to any of the other choices you had, you know, whether it was Liliana or or anybody else. So I guess because he was the only one that I I think you could get him to leave but you couldn't kill him <laughs> i think so, that I mean, it would have been a lot better had they chosen somebody else most yes. definitely would have been better
2: but i think that the the cool factor is just that it's someone from your old group but had they chosen somebody else it would have been far more epic without a doubt i, I just the the stereotypical drunken dwarf doesn't do it for me give me a little bit more depth than that you see I loved Ogren in the first game but you know I have a thing for dwarves we won't
3: get into that right now. So yeah carrying him through to, to Awakening was great you know it gave, it finally gave some much needed development to the character. It's yes. like they they said hey everybody hates Ogren. Let's put him in here because everybody hates Ogren and make him as well developed and cool as he should have been the first time around. Kind of like ah our bad here. Here here's here's a good dwarf. <laughs>
0: Because honestly,
3: out, out of out of all the Awakenings characters, I liked him probably second to Anders, but far, far higher than he
2: ranked in Origins. Yeah, no, I I had no use for him and I didn't use him in any of my groups either. I basically couldn't stand to be around him. He was annoying as hell. So so but then again, case in point, he shows up and it's like, oh, cool. So uh, that being said, too, we got a little bit more information on Liliana's song that came out and what they're doing with that expansion, which is actually
1: fairly cool. Joe, I'm assuming you read up on this, right? Yes, and I'm very, very, very much looking forward to it. Uh, Liliana was one of my favorite characters from the first game uh, to the point where I made sure that she was the romantic interest of my main character, my dwarf warrior. Um, I like the idea that we're getting to see more of her past uh well basically a slice of her past and the thing that I think I like most about it is it's being told through the lens of her eyes so she's a bard right she's a storyteller her job is to embellish and make things more interesting so I'm really curious to see how they take that idea and work it into this content um, it is a prequel and uh it's supposed to give you um a a a cookie for awakening, an item. Um, Liliana is not coming back, sadly. Um, you don't get to play as her and awake- with her as awakening, uh, but you get an item linked to her in some manner. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what happens with her and uh, I can never pronounce the name Marjolee, um, and just see how her character developed and how she viewed it as a character. It's an interesting study, I think. Yeah, like I'm pretty
3: much done with Dragon Age. Uh, I, I've i spent my time with it. I've finished it. I'm going to walk away from it. So I'm probably going to pass on this one. And it, I think Liliana's song looks really great. Like I almost wish I was still playing Dragon Age. I, there's still a small chance I'll go back and play it. Because let's face it, aside from the Stone Prisoner, which was pretty much free for everyone, all the paid downloadable content has been kind of iffy especially the last one, the Darkspawn Chronicles. We talked about my issues with that one. So this seems to be the first downloadable paid download for uh, Dragon Age that really adds to the game.
1: Well, I wouldn't say that. I really enjoyed um, the $5 return to Ostagar um, just because it gave some closure with uh, Kalen. So I was kind of okay with it there. But yeah, I will agree with you. The rest of it was just kind of just items, things like that. Whereas... Uh, getting shale was awesome uh that was a great great add-on and i think this one is shaping up to be the same
3: i just hope the item we get for it is better than the blight blade from uh, darkspawn chronicles because that thing was just vendor (laughs) trash
2: see the thing that i'm again here you have the same with augren okay you've got there are so many characters that they could have picked for this and while i understand that um, like Joe, you 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 really enjoyed the character and whatnot. When it, when you're looking at what they could have done and made it something that is a continuation of the story versus a back story kind of thing, which okay, we can appreciate that, but it doesn't develop your character and your progression. The progression of the story is always forward, not backwards. When you look at what could have done, say with um, Morgan. Because Morgan has such an important role at the end, if you choose to do the whole baby thing at the end, it's such an important part at the end. Like at the end it, with my uh, my badass mage, one of the things that he kept saying is, I'm going to go and look for you and find you kind of thing. So they have this opportunity where they, they created those options where if they made uh, a sequel, not a sequel I want to say, but an add-on for the game, and made it something that was moving the character forward to be looking for this character and what she's been through since then. I think that would have been far more rewarding than a backstory with a character that's not as fleshed out or doesn't have as many branches, you know?
1: See, for me, I think they're saving Morgan for DAO too. And I think we are going to have the whole King Arthur's Merlin... Uh, baby reclaiming the throne type thing that we saw back in that mythology. But with Morgan, um, that's what I think. I think she's the ace in the hole for that.
3: Yeah, actually, yeah. that's not a bad point. I'm, I'm not so sure about that one myself, seeing as, you know, with, with like we saw with Mass Effect carrying the story over from the first game to the second game, there was a small amount of options I, you know, a, a few really big story points that they could easily translate over to the next game but there's just so many major decisions in Dragon Age I, f- I, th- I think they're going to have a hard time carrying a lot of it over to Dragon Age 2 and especially seeing as the demon baby ending was probably the quote unquote worst of the four endings not quality wise but you know as far as good or bad it, it seems to me like that would probably be the least likely one that they would carry over into the next game
2: but the same thing as they did with with Mass Effect Two, like they they don't have to create something that was based on the most popular or the um, or all of them, but just pick one of the storylines and then continue forward with that as well. So they have the option of doing that with Dragon Age Origins too, where they just pick what would have been the most interesting, maybe. And then roll with that, whether or not you would have had to play as a badass to get to that or not. And I have to say, based on what I played, now granted, I've only got the two playthroughs, so I've got the uber good and then the uber bad. And in terms of epic endings and in terms of what they could do with that moving forward into Dragon Age 2, definitely the bad choices, the, the renegade playthrough essentially, would lead to a far richer and more I don't want to say controversial, but it would there'd be so much more strife and so much more angst and so much more everything
1: to play with and that's where you get those epic storylines and I will say one thing if there's anything that generates attention and hits and 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 people getting involved if it's anything else, it's grief and strife. People love to hate, just going to say it
2: well that again, <laughs> there's a reason why old. Russian literature is considered so phenomenal, as well as lots of others. It's from those terrible times that you can have amazing stories of redemption or whatever it is. And so that's the the opportunity that they have going into Dragon Age 2. Now, moving on to another game, too. You were saying that you started playing Puzzle Quest 2. How have you been finding events? Um... For me, it's been a big
3: change because I played the first one on Xbox Live Arcade and I decided to pick up the second for DS just because if I'm sitting in front of my Xbox right now, I'm not playing freaking Puzzle Quest. <laughs> so it's it's been kind of a a, sh- a shift there for me. I, I do have some issues with the sound on the DS. I have it cranked up all the way and I can still barely hear it. But as far as the actual gameplay is, it's much more enjoyable than the first one because they've gotten rid of the... Uh, the stupid gold and experience gems from the game board and they've added in action points. So now your equipment actually affects the game in a more direct manner. If you have like, let's say a short sword equipped, you can do five damage by spending five of the action points you've collected. So it's almost like another type of mana or, you know, you have uh, a Templar can use a shield to increase their defense. A mage can use a potion to increase their actual mana. So the actual gameplay I found to be a, lot
2: more interesting than the first one and they also changed the um the way that you progress when you're not actually doing the um the the puzzle sequences where instead of the bouncing around on the maps and whatnot it's a little bit different granted where they would have had the opportunity to make it something that is somewhat better looking it <laughs> looks like the comparison that was made like an old super nintendo game which is very very accurate
3: Yeah, I I don't mind the the actual style of it. The only thing that bothers me is the frickin rooms that you have to go through room after room. Okay, click on the map and on the arrow. Okay, yeah, I want to go here. Okay, click on the door. Yeah, I want to go here. Whereas the first one had, the, you know, while it wasn't the most beautiful thing to look at, it was at least more functional over map compared to this one. And uh, no, go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, see, the thing that bothered me about the other one was that it was such a pain in the ass to get from point A to B because of all the stops that, you know, you were forced to make. Granted, in some cases you could skip over them, but it was still it was still a pain in the ass. And I understand how it fits into the progression of the story, that you're not going to be wandering through the woods and not get stopped. Fine. But it's still a pain in the ass. Now, I haven't played this. Are you experiencing a lot of that as well?
3: Um from what I've seen, at least so far, you don't get the random battles that we saw on the first one. It's just the actual pace of progressing from room to room to room that slows it down in this
2: one. Okay. Yeah, I am looking forward to picking it up. However, I'm actually holding off because I'm hoping to hell there's going to be an iPad version because basically that would be the perfect platform for this. I know that they'll eventually come out with an iPhone version just because Puzzle Quest is on the, the iPhone. However, I'd like to see a dedicated iPad version that looks good and and plays well. Uh, Apparently, some of the changes that were made to the the, the playing dynamics as well uh, are fairly good as well and make the game a little bit deeper than what it was before. So again, if you like the first one, you're going to really enjoy the second one.
3: Maybe it has to do with the class I'm playing. In the first one, I was the mage. This time around, I went with a Templar. Or it could just be the change in game design. But I find myself using all the colors of mana this time around. On my mage, it was red, yellow, or get the fuck out. And and this one, I'm using you know primarily my purple and my green, but I'm using a lot of yellow, a lot of red, a lot of blue, and a lot of the uh, action points. So as you're playing, you know if you can't find the match that you're looking for, at least you can match something that will still be helpful for you. You're not gonna be sitting there
2: on 40 blue mana and have nothing to do with it. Right. How are you finding the actual story compared to the first one? Uh, Pretty thin? they
3: i'm still pretty early on in the second one but it's like they're trying to actually make it you know a story this time i actually liked the fun lighthearted, you know jokiness of the first game you know trying to feed the ogre and all all that craziness so at at least this time around with them taking the more serious turn i don't want to say serious but at least thus far the actual fun in the story isn't there I'm sure, you know, as it progresses, we'll see how it goes. But uh, at this early point, there it, there isn't a whole lot to the story.
2: Okay. Let's move on from there to the big one for the week, which was War for Cybertron. Yes. So you've pumped in a crap load of hours into that sucker.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've already... Uh, done a quick playthrough of the story mode though i will most definitely be going back through this one at least one more time not just for achievements because it was so goddamn fun all right give us a run through uh okay war for cybertron as we've talked about many 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 times on this show because we're transformers nerds and Mm -hmm. that's what we like to talk about is as we said the prequel to the generation one cartoon and they could not have done a better job i was a little apprehensive about how well and how truly it was going to tie into the cartoon but if you get to the end of this game you're like wow you know you well, see even the the credits see, at the
2: end oh my god
3: <laughs> stan, they have the credits set to a stan bush song you, you cannot beat that nice I go on YouTube right now there's no spoilers in it it's just a blast to watch it but at the end of the game I'm not going to ruin anything we know you get to see how Optimus becomes Optimus Prime you get to see the origin of the matrix of leadership you get to see why they had to leave Cybertron in the first place it sets up perfectly as a precursor to the cartoon oh god I need to find the money for this yes you do you sell sell something sell sell a finger sell a you know, something <laughs> Now, because have you been they, Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say they they nailed absolutely every single thing about this. The characters are spot on. Not just in appearance, they they with the exception of Peter Cullen, they didn't get any of the original voice actors back because I couldn't tell you what any of them are doing 25 years later. So, the voice actors that they did get did a great job of replicating the original voices. There are a couple that are a bit off, but overall like they have steve bloom who we all know as you know spike spiegel um roger smith wolverine you name it he is the narrator in this game and really I, as, as i played through the first mission i stopped i went online and i had to look up to see if that actually was the original narrator because he was that close to perfect spot on he's awesome. and just the oh yeah and just the uh just the characterizations like we all played through dragon age and some of our favorite parts of the game was the banter between the characters, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. I'll take that, I'll take that <laughs> as a yes, you, you, guess. you had Jeez. to wait for an answer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, as doesn't you're listen playing, to his own podcast. Even if, even if you're not in an action segment. In between the battles, all the characters have this great banter back and forth. You get Starscream talking down to Skywarp and Thundercracker. You get, you know, Ironhide cheering on Optimus, you know, trying to pump him up to be the leader that he knows it can be. They even nailed freaking Warpath.
2: It's just so perfect in every conceivable way character-wise. Okay, let me ask you this now, Um, and for those who are listening live, by the way, I've been playing the credits for the game, and it is just so you can get an idea of the throwback to the cartoon as well. Um, You're playing on the 360 right now. In terms of controls and whatnot, do you think it would be better on the PC or that it handles really well on the 360? I would
3: have to say better on the console just because of so many things that you have to do at once, you're aiming, you're firing, you're running, you're transforming, you're jumping, you're flying. I, personally, I'm more of a console gamer myself,
1: but that's a lot of things to be doing at once with a mouse and a keyboard, if you ask me. I could see it definitely being more beneficial to have a, an actual controller for it uh, just from playing the, uh, the demo. Uh, you can tell the, the the vast difference there. He's right. There's, there's just so much crap you got to do. Um, and it's just nice, can, tight controls make it so much better. Yeah, you get into this zone on the console where, like, the,
3: my favorite parts of the game are the flying missions. You get one flying mission in the Decepticon campaign, one flying mission in the Autobot campaign. And just... The way it's so fluid when I'm playing a Silverbolt, I shoot in, you know, in this huge space battle doing barrel rolls and looping around, launching missiles, locking on, landing, transforming, shooting off sniper rounds, transforming again, flying off before the missiles can hit. I couldn't imagine doing all that on a keyboard.
2: Well, that being said, too, I'm assuming that it will, well, not assuming it would look a damn sight better on a big screen TV with a decent Mm. sound system as well. Oh, absolutely. You got to have that 80s butt rock pumping. Yeah. (laughs) All right. It it is something that actually I'm looking forward to picking up. I've been debating which version I'm going to be picking up because I've been considering even the PS3 version for it as well. I'm not sure. Um, Have you been doing a lot of the multiplayer on it or strictly the story mode stuff?
3: I have dabbled in the multiplayer and I'll come out at Up front and say it isn't without its issues there are some server and lag issues that they're kind of working through you know you got to try and join you know two or three games before you find one that actually works but when it does work holy crap like i said a couple weeks ago after the demo that multiplayer wasn't really the focus of this game because in the demo you only had the two classes and it was a fairly simplistic version of the multiplayer so now that i've experienced the full multiplayer i cannot say that it's just tacked on because when you have all four of the classes the stealth scout class the pure damage soldier class the buffing leader class and yes you can play as a healer in this game with the scientist class you can play fly in as a jet drop down heal your buddies and get the hell out of dodge before you get blown up so i've been playing through uh First of all, I'm going through as the leader class because I just find it the most fun. It's a good balance. I like, you know, running into the battle, hitting a war cry, buffing everybody's damage and being the one to turn the tide. Not to mention you get a badass battle axe and it's just so much fun.
2: Cool. Yeah, I like I said, I'm going to try to decide which one that I'm going to pick up Um, because I haven't heard any issues with the PS3 version um, as opposed to, say, like the Red Dead Redemption. I haven't heard that there's been any problems with the PS3 version of this one.
1: All I can say is everything I've heard about this game is nobody is having any problems on any system so far. Yeah, yeah there
3: there are a couple collision detection glitches where if you transform too close to a wall, you'll get stuck into it. Um, but it's such a complicated mechanic with a transformation. I'm sure that was really hard to iron out. So it, it's not 100 percent perfect, but God damn, it's the most fun game <laughs> I've played all
2: year. All right. Good to hear. Uh, also this week, we got the early start to APB. Now, mm. Joe, did you bounce into it at
1: all? Yeah, I did. Um, I, it was okay. It was not as good as I had expected. Um, there was actually a lot of time where I was in there where there was almost nothing going on or that I got to stuff just as it was ending. So, yeah, I, I was a little, a little disappointed that I didn't, didn't get to do as much in my three days as I had hoped, uh, just because every time I happened to log in, just I couldn't seem to find anything. And I was playing as an enforcer because I figured everybody would be trying to muck up and you know, smash doors and things like that, but it was just either they already got caught or ran away before I could even get there. See, that's the thing with the this
2: game, too, is that if you are playing as the criminal, you can basically make your own fun kind of thing, whereas if you are Enforcer, it's much more reactionary. You have to wait for something to happen and then react to it. So I actually didn't get a chance to bounce into the pre... Um, the, the early stuff, even though I pre-ordered the damn game, um, because because I'm, I'm way over my bandwidth <laughs> cap right now, <laughs> and I have to re-download the goddamn game, and it would cost me quite a bit to download it because it's like eight gigs. So I said, you know what? I can wait a few days. Um, but there's been some interesting stuff coming out with that as well with APB just because of, like, they, they decided to put in the district ads.
0: Yeah. Which is,
2: again, you had a lot of people bitching about that, but then when they came out and explained, listen, it's once every three hours, only when you enter... A district and even then it doesn't
1: last long it's fairly brief so My, sorry go ahead I'm, I'm just i have a gripe that went along with that but it wasn't about ads in general
2: right see in terms of the ads themselves i'm, I'm trying to weigh their costs and the cost of any development company putting out a game versus what the user experience should be and if it's something that's blatant and bad and is really not well done, then OK, that's that's we shouldn't put up with that. But an ad that's every three hours, I'm trying to think, OK, is this really something that we should make a big deal about? And should it be something that, you know, the the company feels that they're justified in doing this? It, it certainly doesn't fit into the game. You can't blend that into the game unless they well... had it playing off a speakers
1: or from your radio in between songs that would work why not not? they they did it in uh grand theft auto but you know they were fake ads but they were still ads
2: yeah but that's what i mean if it was something where it was funneled through the game somehow to make it feel as if it was a part of that game that would be different but just an ad blurring when you bounce into a zone where it's quite obviously an ad i don't know that that fits now again i mean you can pay into to get rid of it it's not a huge amount to pay but most people will not um and it's like I'm, i i really i don't want to make a big deal out of it because i personally don't think it's a big deal but do i think it belongs there no do i think there's a better way to implement ads in a game like this oh hell yes where it would fit and it wouldn't be a big deal So again, it certainly wouldn't make a big deal out of it. I'm not going to be paying to get rid of them because I don't care. And it's once every three hours. Who gives a rat's ass? But it could have been done way better where it was even a stylish way of doing it and implementing it into the game world.
1: Okay, the ad, I really don't care too much about because I can see it being integrated in the game where once every three hours, fine, I can deal with that. Personally, I don't expect to be playing... Uh, the game more than three hours at a time unless I'm doing a complicated heist. Um, my problem went along with the announcement that there's going to be some form of microtransactions in the game. And with their unique pay model, I don't think it fits. And that's what pisses me off. We're already paying for hours of playtime. Even if we have to pay a small subscription fee a month uh, to get the unlimited time, the action district points that you, you purchase uh, can now be... Uh, used to buy in-game stuff and that's what they were talking about in their last interview um, was that they they were looking at adding things in for that I don't like that. I don't like that in this game. That was one of the things I was hoping that would not come to this game. And it kind of irritates me that they're considering it uh, or or that it's going to be in there at all. Um, I'm okay with the idea of paying for my time uh, by the hour and saying, okay, well, I bought 10 hours this month. I'm going to play the game for 10 hours. If I want more, I can go buy more. But I don't want to sit there. That's a really fucking cool gun. I want that gun. Well, I'm going to have to go spend some of that that those action points that I spent money on to go get that gun. If I want it, there's no other way to get it. And when you're already starting to pay for your time in, in a very unique and what I think is a very nice and flexible pay model, it it gets bad. You know, it's, it's, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to microtransactions at all. I mean, I play Dungeons and Dragons online and the whole game is microtransactions. Lord of the Rings online is going to be going that way in less than two days. Um, You know, So I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with it being present in this game. And I seriously hope that it doesn't become such a large deal like it's going to be for everything else. Because I don't want to have to pay for my individual hours and pay for individual cool shit all the damn time. The thing that I'm thinking is that, is
2: this where we are now heading? Especially when you take into consideration that WoW isn't going anywhere. So most people will always have that WoW membership that they have to pay every single month. So you're seeing a lot of these other MMOs right now, which are going with that free to play model and tacking on whatever other bonus that they have to in order to survive. I mean, case in point, Global Agenda is going to be going free as well. There's a lot of them that are following that route now. And it's basically the only means to survive. WoW has really screwed up the industry a lot for everybody else in that regard and that's my opinion but in my I think it's a valid one so are we seeing now something we in where a game like this in order to survive regardless of how good the pay model that they're introducing is in order to be able to thrive and not just survive but actually make money that because that's why they're doing this that they have to introduce something like this
1: See, and that's where I would tend to disagree just because of the way – and I talked about this a little bit last week, but I was kind of drunk and obviously couldn't form a coherent sentence probably to to, to convey it – all the MMOs that are coming out are going into their own specific niches, whether it's a a fantasy game, a science fiction game, an action-adventure game, a story-driven RPG MMO. They're all carving out their own little sections in the MMO universe. Each one of these has its unique draw to players. Uh, EverQuest has proven that no matter how antiquated, how outdated the game is, people will pay to play it. Um, World of Warcraft has done the same thing. I mean, we've been playing the same game for so long, people will play it. If you make a well-constructed game that does what it's supposed to do well, you don't need microtransactions. Like, personally, I don't think... Hold on. No, 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 no. No, no, I wasn't going to argue, but then, um, case in point, Blizzard has the microtransactions as well. They do, but they're cosmetic. They are purely, totally, utterly cosmetic. I'm okay with stuff like that in that because it's optional. I don't need it to beat the game. I don't need it to access content. I don't need it uh, in order to get from point A to point B. So having a purely cosmetic microtransaction, fine. That's a completely separate animal than something that you need in the game. Um, When you have games like, I don't think, I I personally don't think we're going to see this happen with Star Wars The Old Republic. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a microtransaction model. The IP is going to be strong Uh, Like, you know, it's gonna be so strong and stand on its own that I think a subscription base will be perfectly fine Also, Bioware has proven that as much as they like their downloadable content um, It's not necessary. You can avoid it. So and it's gonna be an MMO. It's not gonna be like a standalone RPG So yes, I don't I don't like where I'm gonna be able to purchase things that will have an impact on the game If it's a subscription-based model if it's a subscription-based model that has purely cosmetic shit fine I can deal with that. APB is gonna, is going has the potential to, to land in that gray area where you're paying for your game time, but you're also paying for the cool shit. And I don't like that.
2: You actually don't think there's going to be any
1: downloadable content or microtransaction stuff for the Old Republic? I don't think so. I think that they're going to make more than enough money hand over fist not to do it. And if they do do it, it's going to be cosmetic stuff just like WoW. But we are not going to see pay $10, unlock a class. We're not going to see pay $10, get the super uber lightsaber or get the super armor. I don't think we're going to see anything quite like that. We may see. I would uh, put money down on that, my friend. I think we're going to see. Okay, we can. I I would. would, Any microtransactions, we're going to see stuff like we have player housing and guild housing in this game. Here's some extra stuff that you can purchase with real life money. I don't think we're going to see game breaking shit. I don't think we're going to see stuff that has a direct impact on it. Cosmetic shit, yes. I don't think we're going to have game breaking stuff. I'm going to call it right now.
2: Huh. Based on the Old Republic, or not the Old Republic, sorry, based on um, Mass Effect and on Dragon Age Origins, I think that BioWare has seen the light that is microtransactions, and I believe they will be in the Old Republic, especially considering how much money EA has funneled into this MMO, that they're going to have to do. As much as they can to get some of that money back. I can easily see, whether it's cosmetic or a
1: whole new outfit, I can easily see them doing that for the Old Republic. And I'm specifying, I am absolutely specifying there may be cosmetic stuff in there, but there are not going to be game breaking things in there.
2: Yeah, but game breaking things is, is, uh, I mean, that could be any, that could be a new lightsaber
1: that has a little bit more power than the other. I don't think we're going to see that. Let's look at, look, at, and I, I, I will stop dwelling on this in a minute. We can move on. But Five bucks. Let's, on the table <laughs> let's, right now. I got, I got $5 on it as well. Five bucks. But I bet you $5. Dollars, we'll see something. Okay, I, I, that we will see something game impacting, like stuff that you buy that you need S- to use in game. Something that or is cosmetic. Okay, because I'm saying that there may be cosmetic stuff, but we're not going to see stuff in there that's going to cause the game to. to okay, people but have to purchase it to pr- to proceed in the game.
2: There's a lot of stuff that you don't have to buy to proceed in the game. I mean, if they're offering new guns in APB, it doesn't mean you have to buy the gun to proceed in the game. It's just it might give you a slight edge.
0: Yeah, that's, but that's not edge.
2: It.
1: Ah, but that slight edge is what makes you. That's what makes you need to purchase it in order to keep no, up with the Joneses. No, game. yes, especially in a game like APB. No, especially in- not. Overall, especially hold on, hold on. in a
2: game like EDPB, you don't need that because APB relies a lot on the skill. Yes, your weapon has to be good if you want to be able to take someone down. But case in point, I've been win- winning a lot of the things that I had where I've got an enforcer on my ass just by outrunning him because I I learned the city really well so that I could run through okay. it like crazy. That's gamer skill in that regard uh, okay so I'm gonna, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up World of Warcraft here for a second there's a certain amount of skill to play all the classes well however that skill on the players of equal footing get becomes null when there's a gear discrepancy and that can be the same thing here if you have two equally pitted players but one person decided to spend the ten dollars to get the extra gun he's gonna win because he's got a better gun and that shouldn't happen by spending money if he earned it in the game fine he earned it in the game but if i'm buying weapons and i'm buying armor and i'm buying vehicle upgrades and that gives me my edge to an equally skilled player there's something wrong and that ruins the game for me
2: vince do you have something to say (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you, APB is your game, so I'm just kind of saying that. But yeah, I kind I kind of got to go with Joe on this one. And that's I, I really want APB to succeed based upon their subscription model. I think it's definitely something that is worth looking into in the Western market. But all this other stuff on top of it, I.
2: It might be necessary for the game to survive. See, that's my point only. And I want to make it very clear too that I'm certainly not defending those types of microtransactions. What I'm asking though is that have we come to that point where a game developer who's developing an MMO has to resort to that kind of thing just in order to be able to survive. Look at how many MMOs are failing right now that are actually damn good games. But it's capital. And you can look at games... Like, um, what is it? Uh, Fallen Earth, whatever we call it there, too, that had to lay off a crap load of people just recently. There's a lot of them that just can't make it because of... Again, wow. So there's a lot of, not everybody can afford to have, be paying, you know, 45 bucks per month to be able to play three games that they really want to play. And with the upcoming, again, your terror, your, I can't say Guild Wars 2 simply because that one's free, but your Cataclysm is going to mean that you're going to keep up with your wow. And then um, the Old Republic, I mean, there's so many games that you could be plunking down 10, 15 bucks a month for. If they're going with this type of model, have we come to the point where it's almost required?
1: I disagree.
3: Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. If if you have a strong game, let's use the older public and Terra as examples because they look to be the strongest of the upcoming lineup. If you have a strong game and make a game that people want to play, no, you don't need the extra transactions on top of the already existing subscription fee. However, a lot of companies think they do. Which is the issue. I guarantee you, EA thinks they're going to need the extra s- transactions on top of the subscription fee yeah. to make the game profitable to them. That's just EA. Well, EA yeah, but they've got a hundred million that they've sunk into this. Yeah. You're going to need a lot more than just subscriptions to be able to get so. back. So as 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 a game developer looking at the market, you're like, okay, we can expect X number of players at $15 a month. At that rate, if nobody unsubscribes, we'll see a profit and two three four years but if we start selling sparkle ponies and extra swords and lightsabers and whatnot on top of it we can see that profit in you know eight or nine months possibly it's not necessary but i think a lot of the actual people making the games think it's necessary any
1: closing thoughts Vin, or uh, joe I I think that we are not at the point where it is absolutely necessary, but I agree with Vince, it's a perception on the market, Um, and as long as it stays with cosmetic shit, I'm fine with it, and I will not begrudge it, hell, I've bought stuff through microtransactions in many games, including my Warforged in DDO, um, but it's... It's a different animal when it makes something that can completely break the game or when it's something that gives a player an advantage or they feel that they have to use. That's when that's when there's a problem. And that's a line that we are are hurtling right now. We we are we are, are straddling this line of whether it's necessary or whether it's necessary because you need it in the game. And I think that. If we go into that that area past that line, we're in trouble as gamers. Because the minute that a game companies decide, well, we're gonna make you spend money on top of your subscription in order to advance in the game, then there's a problem.
2: I personally think that we've already reached that point, and we're seeing that with a variety of games right now. Um, I mean, you don't have to look any further than Cryptic to see how they're using microtransactions right now. I think that we're seeing it now. Again, I'm certainly not defending it because I've more than shown my disgust of certain microtransactions. And when it comes to the point where it's gouging, my only question was, are we at a point where it is now something that is required in order to stay afloat? And having talked to the developers that we have since we've started this show and been asking questions and finding out more about the back end in terms of the money and the marketing and being able to stay afloat and things like that, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit more to what's going on in the background and whether it is a necessary evil. Do I approve of it? No. I don't want to have to be paying for it. Um, But is it something that we should accept at this point? I don't know. In all honesty, I don't know.
1: I'll just leave it with one last thing here. EVE Online doesn't require microtransactions to stay afloat, and they're currently developing a second game. So, I mean, obviously, not everybody's hurting.
2: Neither did Guild Wars. So let's move on Mm -hmm. to that.
1: I mean, look at how well
2: Guild Wars has done. Still going on. Still going on with events still. Their Dragon Mm -hmm. Festival is going to be starting up. It's it's actually a hell of a lot of fun, too. And that's going to be starting up shortly. And there's still... Servicing that game, they're still putting out patches, they're still, um, and you still don't have to pay for it. Case in point, again, with Guild Wars 2 coming out, you're paying for the game, and that's it, you're not going to have to pay for anything else thereafter. Now, they had their microtransactions in case, in, in the in terms of buying extra character slots, um, but they offered quite a few to begin with, and things like that. They also did sell out outfits and things like that, but they're those were purely cosmetic as well had no use whatsoever outside of the instance um, zones. But whether or not they decided to go with little microtransactions for two, who knows what they'll do. But we're finding out more about two as well. And again, as we've been saying all along too, the, the, the work that they're putting into two and the, like they're working on right now, the lore and the languages behind guild wars, because It's kind of like Klingon. People go out of their ways (laughs) to actually (laughs) learn the language behind some of the different uh, races in Guild Wars, which is pretty goddamn awesome. Um, But I mean, we're going to be seeing a lot going on with Guild Wars 2 by virtue of the fact that they're spending... I keep thinking about Mass Effect when we read about the Mass Effect Bible where everything was in there so that they could create whatever they want and and it would fit into the lore of the game. And it's the same kind of thing that we're reading right now with Guild Wars 2, where there's so much attention to the lore. I got an email a while back from uh, Malagaj, I'm probably mispronouncing that, dudes in the audience right now, and he was saying that he was asking about lore and whether there's such a thing as too much lore in a game and whether that can impede on gameplay and whatnot and it's true i believe that yes there can be too much if there's not enough action to go along with that that lore then you're going to have the balance aren't there? there's not a balance so that's not something that you can you're not going to enjoy it if all you're doing is you know questing all the time and reading quest or, or listening to to quest text What we're reading in terms of Guild Wars 2, though, I don't know. Do you guys feel that we're seeing way too much right now in terms of lore or that it's just enough? Or what do you guys think?
3: I just think it all depends on how the lore is presented. Uh, Like Final Fantasy Thirteen, to me, had too much lore, but that was because of the way it was presented. It was story sequence after story sequence after story sequence when all I want to do is play the freaking game. Whereas, let's say, Dragon Age... As massive and immense as that game was, I almost feel like I didn't get enough lore out of it. So it all depends on how it's presented to me.
1: I tend to agree, but right now it's seeming like it's going to be just the right amount. Um, I have a lot of faith in ArenaNet after playing more of Guild Wars 1 uh, and just seeing how they did everything, how they presented backstories for different, like the different races and classes and things like that, just through interactions. And from listening to them talk about this game, how much love they have for creating it, I think we're going to get our story uh, with a nice mix of action and thrown at us. Um, They did say that our questing and our stuff like that is not going to be... uh, read off to us it's going to be dynamic it's going to be you know living in the world so we're going to get our lore much in the same way you know it's going to be we find it in the world it's going to be presented to us in such a way that we do find it uh so i think that i think we're going to get just the right amount and i think that if anybody uh any of the other developers out there can hit that right mix i think it's going to be arena net
2: and see I would tend to agree it's funny because I was I was actually talking to Rick last week and we were talking about Terra because he's really excited about it but he's worried because of Bluehold that there won't mm-hmm. be enough questing and lore behind it because of that core Korean grindfest uh, mentality and I was telling him, no no we, we talked to the guys and you missed out on the interview you bastard uh, but that we talked to the guys and no they're working tirelessly on the lore and the more we're reading about it now um, you can't look on a site without reading something from David Noonan who's been interviewed somewhere and they're talking about all of the lore being completely rewritten so that that does your heart you know proud to read okay yeah they they hear us they they know that we want more of that and with guild wars i'm getting the impression more so than with um Terra that you don't even have to ask for it they know they know that this is of utmost importance to us so they're going out of their way to deliver that
1: and uh i want to take a quick second to answer uh Mela Mela Gage's question from the chat here. (laughs) Sorry, man, I'm totally massacring your name. Um, I think it's shaping up to be uh, the more traditional MMO style where it's going to be Um, You can choose you want to play solo you can play solo you want to play it with another person and play as a party It's going to be rewarding for you to play in a party It's not going to be necessary But you're going to like it and you hit on it with the fusion attacks and things like that that they're talking about that's freaking awesome Uh, You know things like that, so I don't know well They Um, actually went out
2: of their way to say that it will be a game that you can play solo or in a group whichever you want
1: yeah and and with Guild Wars 1 it was very very you can do it yourself and not have to interact with anybody ever Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so no that is something that they've already said okay we're going to take a
2: very short break refill our glasses and we will be right back And we're back. Thank you for allowing us that short break. We're actually going to touch a little bit more on Transformers, but not so much the game as the novel. Now, we've been seeing that more with games that are putting out novels now, not just comic books. And I think that's actually phenomenal. It's it's not that I have anything about against comic books, as has been shown by my recent delving into all manner of comics on my iPad. Um we've been having a blast talking about that. I've been reading the green lantern war of light. And so I'm getting back into reading comics. I haven't read any for hell, a couple of decades. Um, So it's not that I have anything against that, but again, with the novel, you're getting so much more depth to the world, the characters and everything. So I, you would stand to reason again with a novel like transformers based in that IP that you could really have something fantastic.
3: So, uh, going on to that novel, this is more of a message to the uh, listeners, I almost said viewers, geez, what the hell kind of night is this? message to our listeners that Transformers Exodus released the same exact day as War for Cybertron, and with the heading of the official history of the War for Cybertron, you'd think it had something to do with the War for Cybertron game. And actually, it does not. And it has confused the hell out of the entire internet because they are showing story bits and they're like, "Uh, how the hell does that tie into the game? That doesn't make any sense because it actually has nothing to do with the game. It is set in a completely different continuity. I couldn't even tell you where. I think it's mostly tied into the movie lore uh, i couldn't tell you for sure without reading through the whole thing they did release the first four chapters of it online which i am very grateful for because i got to read it before i dropped 20 bucks on a freaking 300 page book so just as a general message out there the official history of the war for cybertron has absolutely nothing to do with the game war for cybertron
1: huh. good well, to know cause that's I, a little surprising that's why i wanted to say it <laughs> saved my ass some trouble
3: yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad book. The first four chapters I read did seem interesting, but it's not a must read now. It's a, okay, I'll get it when it's in paperback and I can buy it for four bucks on my Kindle.
2: Hmm. Huh. Yeah, crap ass. Give um, okay, well then let's move on from there, anyways, because we had some interesting news this week as well. We got a little bit more information from the Terra folks as well in regards to um, your class, your racing combo. Uh, sorry, racing class combos. Yes, I heard that, Joe. So you're you're dying to talk about
1: this. Go ahead. I'm I'm nervous now. I, I really am nervous. We talked to these guys and we were talking about how they wanted it to be mainly aesthetics as a difference, but they're talking about. It might not be that way. It might actually be where certain races uh, can't be certain classes. And I really want to play my Papori Lancer, <laughs> damn it. But, I want to play my panda with a giant fucking stick and shield. Okay, but the line.
2: taking, and, okay, okay. Let's just not even think about <laughs> that for one moment. Can you appreciate at least the logic behind yes. this? Okay, because yes. it is something that, do you want to tackle this or shall I?
1: Uh, As far as like from a developer standpoint? No, just explain
2: what we're talking about because maybe not everybody is aware of what's going on here.
1: Okay, when we talked to, to the folks from Terra Online and our wonderful interview with them, fantastic interview with, uh, with, with the people from there, um, we, they were talking about how they wanted to make the game more about the game and less about the race and class combinations, uh, particularly with hitboxes and things like that. So right now what we're talking about is a dev blog post that has recently been uh, released, I think it was the 21st, um, with Brian Knox, uh, who's the senior producer. And they were talking about uh, game balancing Uh, differentiating between between different races uh, and the aesthetics they're in. And it's kind of a shift, which is why I'm a little personally worried about it, because when we're talking about it, they wanted to make an open, accessible world where anybody could play anything. You wanted to play a Popori Lancer. Popori is a very tall, small little uh, forest spirit thing and a lancer is like a tank uh you could um whereas like in wow where certain races can only be certain classes they didn't want to do that and now right now we're talking about this this most recent uh post where it's potentially changing uh they don't know if that's going to make it to the final game and see
2: i actually am happy to see this and what i'm Factoring this as is is them having to make changes as they are changing the game a lot of what they said when we interviewed them the game had not been as rewritten as it is now even even though that's not that long ago. A lot has happened with them in terms of rewriting so much of the game to make it something that we can enjoy here. So the fact that they've gotten to a point where they can say from a lore perspective, it would not make sense for this race to be this class. I think that's phenomenal. And it's something that I actually don't like about what's happening with WoW right now, where they're opening it up to everybody to be everything damn near. I don't like that. I like that you had to make a choice based on certain limitations that within reason made sense with the lore. You know what I mean? And so when they're saying that now, I actually like that. I think that's phenomenal.
1: Well, and I'll let Vince go in a second here, but the main driving force here is, is it's is we're seeing two things at work complementing each other. Um, first of all, they said that there's going to be collision in the game when you're in combat, right? Um, hitboxes becomes very big at that point because your hitbox is your collision point. Um, if you have a papori Lancer that has the same hitbox as a giant that's going to cause problems that's going to mean that the dynamics of combat aren't there anymore um so i can understand whether they're fitting the the mechanics and tailoring the lore to it in, in sort of a complementary manner as a developer standpoint i appreciate it i really really do i understand that the game is evolving and as they're play testing and as they're doing their different groupings uh they're changing the game as they're rewriting the lore they're they're rewriting how the rest of the game works it's all interdependent now this is a good thing because that means that they have a level of involvement uh in the game that is wide sweeping it's not just uh we're just gonna you know goblins can be shaman now or, or something stupid like that it's okay well this doesn't make sense uh Popori are very small let's make let them be you know they're more mystics or more backline fighters they wouldn't be frontline fighters got that so that's that's but see, that's where I'm
2: at. When they were talking about hitboxes too, they weren't talking that you're going to have a hitbox based on your class, but a hitbox based on your race. So your Papori is going to have a much smaller hitbox. So let's look now. now. They are. No, that's what they were saying before as well. Yeah, they said
3: in a, in a dev blog, uh, like the one right before this one, that while the uh, hitboxes are determined by race, and they're not 100% to scale with the character model, because otherwise that would be completely game-breaking in some aspects. But yes, Papori would have a noticeably smaller hitbox than, say, an Amani. And so but
2: then that that- your wall of lancers, if you've got the big-ass stone-freaking-looking dudes, and then you've got your little panda dude, in the middle, you've now opened up a window that a good archer can send something through there to whoever's in the back. That adds a whole different complexity to the game as well, in terms of the behind-the-scenes programming as well.
1: Oh, and yeah, I, I, I'm appreciative that they're changing this. I like that.
2: <laughs> you just want your damn lancer.
1: I want my lancer. Yeah,
3: I, they I haven't said such... you can't be. There's such a a drive for them in the community. I think they almost have to keep the papori lancer in, and it could even fit the lore. You know, the the papori there. You know. Sp- uh, four spirits and yeah, they got to defend you know nature and whatnot. But there there are some that make sense. Like for example, I I don't know if I would want a papori slayer. Well, it makes sense to them to have an axe or a two handed sword. I'm not sure about. I don't want freaking panda Yoda in my game. Or let's say um, the elves. You know, they're they're a more agile, slender race. I don't think they would quite work as a berserker. Or say um, the Castonics, the demons. That 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 doesn't seem like a very good race for a priest for me. So as long as the decisions make sense and we're not seeing, you know, gnome priests, I, I'm okay with it.
2: Dude, yeah. See, I, and again, that's exactly what I'm saying. I am this actually. Whereas a lot of people were pissed off because say they wouldn't get their pandas, like say tart who's messaging me right now saying, but I want my panda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you, damn panda. Just make it something else it doesn't have to be a lancer. And actually, in terms of lancers, I would actually be a little concerned because one of the things that we saying too is that we don't want you having a small character that has this huge freaking weapon and always be thinking, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like it should fit. So it might very well be that you're not going to get your Lancer. So yes, tart QQ more, my dear. Uh, So, but again, I think this is phenomenal because it does mean that you know damn well they did not care about this in Korea when they were playing the game. It's coming up now because of the lore and because it doesn't fit in. So I think this is phenomenal. And I like the diversity of having to choose based on certain limitations and whatnot. I don't see that as a problem. As long as there isn't something wherein in, this race has this extra ability that helps it be this specific class, a la wow, then we're fine. We're still going to have a lot of diversity where whatever Lancer you want to be won't be predetermined by the best racial ability.
1: And I agree with that. I, I think that it's a good thing and I think we'll see, still see some diversity, but it makes me wonder um, how much is going to change between now and then. And I'm, I'm liking some of the things that are changing like the hitbox thing. I'm so for that um, because it would, it would have been completely broken where I can have like three papori standing in one line and just, complete friggin blockage when there's like a mile gap between them that would just be wrong um, but yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with it I'm just I'm, I just want to know when the stopping point is you know what I mean <laughs> alright let's move away from there now and towards we were talking about the Old Republic
2: let's talk, talk a little bit more about that because there's people playing this game right now god damn it bastards and they're not us <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, there's actually beta out right now for the Old Republic, and there's some people playing it right now, and we really have... No use for those people. We think those people are born of evil incarnated. It's it's really not cool. But they're playing the goddamn game. Uh, we did find out a little bit more as well in terms of the armor and the progression of the armor. They had a little thing, a video that they put out for the progression of the bounty hunter armor, which I'm actually going to play here. I'm going to turn the sound off and so the people who are live in the audience can watch. It's kind of cool because it's uh, it's showing the progression of what your armor is going to be for the bounty hunter hunter now this to me pretty make it makes it pretty straightforward that you're not going to have options like in other mmos where you can mix and match to your heart's content for your armor but rather that it's going to be armor sets that you upgrade
1: Well, we don't know that and that's the thing like this could just be the aesthetic portion of the armor whereas you can be putting different components into the armor in order to upgrade it and there's still a little bit that we don't know um they said that the the cool factor of the armor increases as one's levels up uh and gets his or her hands on the latest gear so this is the evolution of you finding stuff and integrating it into your suit so i think that's kind of cool um and and to be perfectly honest this solidified the fact that i'm playing a goddamn oh god dude there were (laughs) freaking awesome (laughs) okay look in star wars galaxy when there was final death there was this awesome thing called jedi hunters jedi hunters were bounty hunters that all they did was wait for jedi to log in usually when they first got that email and said congratulations you're a jedi and kill them and then corpse camp until there was three kills and there was final death um yeah i absolutely loved being that dick i'm sorry (laughs) now
2: i'm playing this i can't wait (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm playing this right now, and I don't know if anybody else picked up this little Easter egg here, but um, there's somebody frozen in carbonite here. Several. Did, did everybody... Yeah, look at... So yeah, you got several people here that are frozen in carbonite. I thought that was freaking awesome. Again, just a little attention to detail that really makes the the environment come to life as well when you looked at the last trailer that we were talking about well not the one from e3 but the one from before that where we were everybody was making such a big deal about the um the the potential mounts of whatever can and yet the whole trailer was freaking awesome but that's what everybody focused on here you're seeing little things behind the scenes and it's like how freaking cool is that (laughs) yeah like Uh,
3: I would actually prefer if the armor was done as a set because we've all leveled through Outlands and that's not a pretty experience. (laughs) (laughs) So if they do the armor as actual sets from a programming standpoint, that's theoretically less actual models they would have to render into the game. Which would then open up more avenues of, say, uh, color customization, which in a lot of previous games I've played, Warcraft being one of them, the reason they've said they don't want to do colors customizable in the armor is because they already have so many models to render, they don't want to do color on top of it. So I would prefer armor sets just because I don't want the freaking clown gear on my Death Knight again.
2: And that's something that we saw in Guild Wars where you could customize your armor with various inks that you got throughout the game and you can even mix and match them to produce your own color that you, it would be hard pressed to find somebody else who has the same color outfit. I like that a lot as well. I think that actually gives you more, more of a distinct look than the WoW stuff. But Bioware,
3: we, we are three e-famous people. We have, we have tens of fans across the internet. You have to let us play this game. That's really Even the it, best you could do?
1: Look, yeah, okay, I, work for, I, I, I technically work for the enemy Bioware. Sway me over to the dark side. Bring me. Bring me over to the dark side. Come on. Give me some give oh, me okay. little cookies. That's Show. enough begging boys. Boys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sad and pitiful night is this. Roger's already left them several voicemails. To the yeah. same tune. Shut up. <laughs> sent- Just be <laughs> quiet. <laughs> be quiet right now.
2: All Turner right. Requests. So we're going to end off with the um, there was a trailer that was put out for the third birthday. And I'm assuming one of you boys will talk about this while I set it up to play for the fine folks in the audience. All you, Vince. All right. Well, the third
3: birthday is the highly anticipated third game in the Parasite Eve franchise. So I can't speak for anybody else, but the first Parasite Eve was probably my absolute favorite game on the first PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And seeing this trailer, I love that they've managed to grasp just the... The weirdness from from the predecessors in the series of they, you see, this, you know, perfectly normal city with absolute horrors going on inside of it. And we also see some of the gameplay. We see the main character, A. Abrea, is able to jump from one body to another. I'm not entirely certain how I feel about that gameplay aspect. It does feature a more uh, action oriented gameplay, which. Again, I don't know. I loved the combat system from the first one. I hated the Resident Evil clone that the second one tried to be. So we'll see how it works. Uh, not, it's, it's the PSP, which just bugs me in general. Because <laughs> I, I've never played a 3D game on the PSP that controlled terribly well. That's just me. Um, but we shall see. It definitely has some interesting aspects going for it. The CG is as stunning as we would expect from anything that is coming from a square or square financed company. So. I'm definitely keeping a very close eye on this game because I really want it to do well and I would really like to be able to play a game on my PSP. It's getting lonely.
2: (laughs) And very dusty as is mine. Okay, with that, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. I will try to have the podcast out for you guys tomorrow. Make sure to download it either tomorrow or on Wednesday and we will be back again on Monday next week, 6.45 p.m. Thanks, folks.
1: Huzzah!
0: This is Kirby with a handheld minute with a review for Transformers War for Cybertron for the DS. Alright, you already heard the storyline, so I'll skip that part. Let's get right into the gameplay. Transformers playstyle is a third person shooter RPG. You'll start out as a rookie as you learn the ropes, and then eventually gain control of Optimus and Bumblebee. From there, you'll gain more Autobots as you progress through storylines or find coins. Leveling up during the game will give you the option at each of the story arcs to pick stats to strengthen each character. Battles consist of an enemy with one of three weaknesses, red circle, yellow triangle, or blue square. Each Autobot has a ranged and melee attack, both of which deals one of these types of damage. Starting out, the game was really fun for me. I enjoyed being able to quickly and easily fight as one of the Autobots. Hearing Optimus say, stick it in neutral, Decepticons, was fun and threw me back to my childhood. At the start of each stage, you chose two characters which you can freely change through the level. A common strat I would use is to have one take damage till right before the death and then instantly switch to allow the injured comrade time to recharge as I killed off the enemy. Death of the one team members isn't too harsh as killing enemies allows you to regenerate them back to life. There are a few roadblocks for me in this game that made it really hard to enjoy. The game chooses respawn points in case of death of both characters, so depending on when you die, it could be a long way to get caught back up. And The game places you in blind jumps, which with no way to pan the camera around is extremely frustrating, and when you fall in a pit, you automatically start back at the last save point, despite if both characters were alive. Also, sound quality was subpar, I had to put on headphones in order to understand the dialogue every time you switch characters, they shout one of their battle cries, which is annoying when you have to change bots on half the fights. I was also only able to play the Autobot version. The Decepticon version is another game completely. Each version will cost you $30. If you're able to play the console version, by all means, feel free to skip the DS version. If you have friends with this game, you'll have some fun playing with them in the arena multiplayer mode. This has been Kirby with the handheld minute, good day.
2: Have some. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's hey. it going? <laughs> Success. I miss mean, Sammy I, and I could hear
1: each other. We were talking we were a conversation. <laughs> uh, you freaking
2: it. noob. Now it's like, well, why aren't you working? Panic. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> means <panic>. work. <laughs> Don't panic, just get a towel. Two is fine. Speaking of which, a freaking steam sales,
1: I'm telling you. Cool. they are going to kill me. Not cool at all. I'm not, not I, even I, looking. I've, I've had to be <laughs> so good with my money and I want to sit there and I want, there's so many things I want to buy and uh, like the Odd World pack for $2.50. I mean, oh, why'd on. you have to tell me that, you fool? Come, come on. on. Oh, yeah. $2.50. Oh my God.
2: Hoogs. Bumhead? Really? That's—he's <laughs> really digging deep into his vocabulary of guys, curses.
1: I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you guys. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm serious. He is Mr. Furious from you know Mystery Men. He's just really, really angry and totally ineffectual. Bumhead.
2: You bumhead, you. It—it just—it sounds like something that a two-year-old would say. In fact, this my two-year-olds
1: have probably called me that. It's not really that daunting, goose. You can come up with better than that. Or he may have just, you know, their two years probably call you worse or, or, or better names, depending on your perspective. Yeah. <laughs> deeper, deeper vocabulary. Oh, far deeper than him. And we're glad.
2: That means that we didn't have to medicate them as they were growing up. Being nice today. Yeah, you tried that before. It didn't last long, did it, Hooks? <laughs> yeah. Go for something easier. There's probably a constellation somewhere that you can map what's cooler
3: the pink bunny of doom or the red cat of hatred
2: it's not hatred it's rage yeah, he's a red blue. kitty of rage oh my god jesus get me started on that shit <laughs> 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 oh man this is gonna be a pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs>
1: seriously
2: dude i got freaking links all over tabs all over the goddamn place really not organized in the least here i don't know Meh. whatever All right, boys, I need wine. Full glass of wine and uh, an empty bladder. Who can ask for better?
1: I got nothing. This is what I'm saying.
3: (laughs) I I could ask for a couple things better, but it seems okay for now. These lead to that, though. (laughs) (laughs) I I
2: didn't say I wanted them from you. (laughs) Well, I do have a webcam.
1: Oh... So we gotta talk about Terra soon. Wait,
2: oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's where we're going.
1: So let me just find it here. There
3: it is. Yeah, I can't right. even tell you where we are with this freaking wave right now. <laughs> I
2: warned you before. Hey, we've been doing fine. I've been bouncing us around so that it actually, people in the audience, it actually seemed like I knew what I was doing. Right? I led us to the right topics, and you would think that I was organized. Right?
1: Dogs, yeah. dogs ugh, lie to man, me I if you have to. Say it, yeah. damn it. Sun shines on a dog ass at least once a day.
3: All right, although, do if we do get to the end and have a little time, I'd like to at least have a couple minutes to talk about the Transformers book.
2: Uh, yeah, shit. did you actually <laughs> read it?
3: No, which is why I want to talk about it.
2: Damn it, <laughs> uh, two
3: minutes, it'll, it'll take me two minutes.
2: God damn it. Yeah, but it would have fit so perfectly to talk about it when we were I talking know, about. It. But you had already. Have that's gone what, off. And, and yeah, and it's written right there in the way file. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. And I was here. I was feeling good about how I was doing. I, I figured right. you skipped it for other reasons. I just went along
3: with it. You're the boss. I'm just saying. Well, it, we if
2: kind we have of, a minute. It, it, it made sense. My, my transition made sense. That's why I went along with it. All right. God damn it. And we are back. Thank you very much for allowing that short break. We're actually going to touch a little bit more on Transformers, but the novel actually, there's, we're seeing a lot more. Stop laughing. I'm doing it for you. You wanted to talk about it. Your eyes and, and you're laughing. <laughs> and we're back <laughs> see now I
0: can't do it <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh outtakes are going to be awesome this uh, week <laughs> better than drunk take outtakes shut up
0: nice. alright
2: and we're back reasonably well done and for the folks in the audience you can watch this little bit of awesome and that's what oh it God. is what this, is it it's awesome Oh. Oh. one <laughs> <laughs> I want
0: one <laughs>
3: I love when he's chasing the squirrel up the tree.
2: <laughs> I love when he's licking himself at the beginning. <laughs> you would. You're
1: damn right. With his little lasers. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely gonna play it. It's just it's so weird. It's so pink <laughs> <laughs> it's like they read all the forum
2: posts by people pit bitching about d3 and that it was too light and too pink and everything and they went oh you thought okay, that was pink oh dude color They've palette rainbow
3: P- unicorn attack the rpg yes <laughs> also a
2: game that i absolutely love <laughs> Oh my god, I want it. It's coming out like on the 7th. I'm buying it. It's too cool not to. Sack <laughs> so Thor. To three. I want a little Wolverine sock boy. It's <laughs> <laughs> where they make their, their mad face. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, god, that was so
0: creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh.
3: That's why I was kind of confused the other night, because I'm pretty sure I read Secret Origin after Sinestro Core War. Oh, That's yeah. That's why I kind of goofed on you there. Well, I'm I want, sure it was yeah, published you freaking spoiler bastard. I
1: didn't spoil dude, anything for you. You spoiled
2: it. At that did, did, point, did, did, Sinestro did, 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 was a nice dude up until that point. And then you're like, yeah. oh, did you read where he tries to kill? Him? And I'm like, what? That didn't happen yet. And did, then I read it after know, a couple this, of issues. Is well, on. because I Watch don't read episodes, comic books. I don't watch any of that crap, so I had no clue. He looked like a nice guy. A bit misunderstood, but he looked nice. Sinestro. A little intense, maybe, but he was nice up until that point. And then don't it's like good two issues after you spoiled it for me. It's like, oh, he's a bastard. Oh, thanks very much. That's nice. The freaking Wonder Woman and Teen Titans tie-ins. I like Teen Titans. Teen Titans! White is
3: the most impactful color in that book and it's ridiculous. Are you spoiling
2: stuff again? Are you still no, spoiling no, stuff? No,
3: Not spoiling Because it anything. sounds like
2: spoiling to me.
3: No, just with
2: all the...
3: Because <laughs> I haven't color. seen a, a white lantern yet. Uh, did I say it was a white
2: lantern? Oh, you bastard.
3: Yeah, I'm a bastard. But just with all the color, because that's obviously the war of light, there's going to be lots of war and lots of light going on
2: with all the colors going on in that and book. And <laughs> and freaking cats!
1: Cat
2: <laughs> oh my god! If if anybody follows me on Twitter, look back a few posts or tweets back. I, I I put a picture up. There's this like freaking again. I don't know if you guys read this. It's it's nobody's the, still listening. Is there anybody in the audience? <laughs> there's a few people actually. There's like this freaking okay. So you got the Green Lantern dudes, okay, and they got the little fancy lanterns and they got the rings and on brightest day, darkest night crap thing. But now all of a sudden, there's like all kinds of other color lights and it's like oh my god so you've got your pink ones you got your blue ones and there's some red ones okay so the red ones are all like and they're mad people there's rage there it's like it's really not they're not happy people and they're like throwing up blood they they like puke blood so you have this they're building up towards this like mad and there's like lots of rage and and they took one of the green lantern people and they became a red lantern people and that was pretty cool it was well done and it was like okay cool and again boom and then a cat there's there's a scene a double panel scene and it's like epic 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 cat epic and I'm going cat what what and freaking Garfield is in this picture that's supposed to make you feel like you're taking these guys seriously a freaking Garfield cat
3: it's not even like a battle cat it's not a tiger it's a freaking house cat
2: no it's and it's and it's a fat it's a fat blue house cat and it's like and he's got blood coming out of his mouth that's like oh my i almost stopped reading at that point it was like really really seriously because if we're if this is what i have to look forward to i'll stop reading now Th- that that <laughs> would not have flown with joss whedon with astonishing x-men I, that's all i'm saying it would not have flown he would not have put me through that telling it as it is or not as a fanboy just as an adult reading a comic book it's like oh come on a cat